0: What's up, Jay brones Live from Brooklyn, New York and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal.
1: Dude, have you ever seen the movie Before Sunrise, Before
0: Sunset? Dude, okay, I was going to actually bring this up to you because I saw your letterboxed score of Before Sunset. Before Sunset is like one of my top probably 10 favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I love all three of them.
1: Five stars. I'm not... I'm... Uh, yeah, five, I give that five stars on Letterboxd. Uh, spe- <laughs> speaking of... Uh, a, a while ago, I talked about long-term storytelling. We constantly talk about long-term storytelling in New Japan.
0: Constantly. Constantly. We mm-hmm. have our own long-term story <laughs> about us talking about long-term That's storytelling. very
1: true. If you go back to episode, like, three or four, uh, whatever episode we... I I spend, like, the first half hour talking about Naito and sort of my, my journey of watching... Naito's journey to his double championship uh, reign. I talk about sort of the long-term storytelling there and then make some comparisons to Twin Peaks and uh, David Lynch's
0: storytelling. And just like the... Uh... <laughs> this is like a professor talking about his, like, published papers. <laughs> it's like, in the paper, I make reference to the proclivity of Gato uh, to a David Lynch sensibility of storytelling.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, I talk about how, like... Uh, Dale Cooper coming back after 20 years is such a mind-blowing thing. And it's it's sort of why I use that as a frame of reference in talking about the storytelling in New Japan. Because there are things that happen where there's been years of build, where if you're watching the details and you're there for it, you get to see it pay off in big ways. Similarly, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, is a whole movie series based around that idea.
0: Yeah, I remember waiting the gap to, to get to midnight. And it's not the same thing as just watching a movie like they feel the gap as they're shooting it, but we don't feel the gap as we're watching it. Right. In fact, we feel all those gaps tightening. So yeah, that's why I actually, from a, from a viewer, I, I I love the sunset movies and having to wait that time, having to wait that much time to see Dale Cooper again in Twin Peaks, even though I didn't watch it in 91.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I didn't watch it when I was, two (laughs) thousand seven. I didn't watch it when I was four either, but I watched it like, you know, like, Whenever, I think, like, yeah, around the same time, 2008, 2009 or something. And then, you know, a decade. And that's
0: why the eventual Friends remake is going to be so huge. Get Matt LeBlanc back <laughs> on the screen.
1: It's, it's That's happening, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. At HBO Max, oh I think, is doing it.
0: I was fucking kidding, guys! Stop taking all my ideas and making them into HBO Max shows! Ugh!
1: Real quick update, shipping update for everybody. Uh, I sent out a ton of packages Friday, August fifteenth. So if you ordered, if you ordered, thanks to everybody. If you're listening to this, you ordered a pint glass. Uh, huge thanks to all of you for ordering pint glasses. I really appreciate it. Uh, all of the love and support on that is great. Um, just, it's probably my favorite thing that I have uh, produced. In terms of merch and products, because it is so inspired by the things that I love finding at thrift stores. August thirteenth, all the way up to August thirteenth, all of those orders are shipped out. So if it's not updated yet, just give it a minute. The USPS is a mess. I feel like everyone now knows. If you're on Instagram, you definitely have seen somebody post save the USPS at some point. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all out of sorts, but everyone's getting their stuff. There's just no rhyme or reason for it. Like I, some of some people that ordered pre-ordered torture act the magazine and the posters are just getting them like now but they were shipped a, a long time ago so it really doesn't make any sense
0: hey john uh mark Bask here, longtime torture act reader and sometime contributor <laughs> uh i was told mine shipped out around the 15th and i'm in canada and i still haven't received it yet Um, Do you have maybe, like, a self-addressed stamped envelope you could send to me so I can send it (laughs) back to you when I receive it? Because it's no good to me now. It's no good to me this late. I have no reason to read it. Neither do any of you. If you're listening to this and you haven't received it yet, there's no point. Just put it down. I'd really love
1: for you to roll through all of your impressions. Like, Taz, Nick Gage, and, (laughs) like, they ordered and are pissed.
0: Oh! (laughs) Hey! Hey, uh, is this, uh, is this malt, Malta? Is this, <laughs> is this malt milkshake? Yeah, Taz here. Uh, I didn't get my fucking magazine, John. It's on its way, Taz. Oh, it's on its way. You know what's on its way to you? A beatdown from my boy, Brian Cage. He's a fucking monster. I'm not going to do the Nick Gage because in such close proximity, you won't be able to see the subtleties. You might be able to. Hey, Nick Gage, I sent you a
1: package via media mail. I think it might take three weeks to get to you.
0: John, you're the fucking reason I got out of prison, man. You're the (laughs) fucking best. When I was robbing banks, it's because I didn't have a a magazine as good as Torture Act. I'm waiting for it. I'm MDK all day.
1: (laughs) For people listening, Mark just flexed
0: and it was great. Sorry, I took a lot of time flexing and I realized that's not a visual. To take one more
1: dive right. into our side podcast about films. Yesterday, well last night at game night, you revealed that you used to work at Blockbuster.
0: Yeah, man. Are of you course. serious? Of
1: course. How have you never mentioned that? Why why isn't that something we've talked about constantly?
0: Uh, I don't know. I I've like I worked I started working at the movie theater when I was 13 years old. They hired me by accident and didn't know how young I was. Um, So I was at Blockbuster when I was probably 16, 17.
1: I know in the Uh, States you had to be 17 to work there. So by the time I could apply to work there, I was already like kind of out the door and ready to move out of Cleveland. So I did not apply. Uh, I
0: I worked there for like a year right before I went to Toronto.
1: That's sick. Uh, Did you guys stock any wrestling VHS notably? No. By Did Blockbuster have wrestling VHS tapes? I actually don't know the by that. By that time,
0: there was no VHS. Period. Really?
1: I bought by, VHS tapes. Why? What year was it? Would have been.
0: This would have been like 2006.
1: Oh yeah, you're in my mind. I was picturing it being like 1998, but you were like a kid then.
0: Now the great, the great old <laughs> video store that used to be here was Midnight Video, and I, in my dreams, it's like I will start. Or I'll turn my, if I ever have a house, I'll turn the basement into like Midnight Video and have all my VHS and Beta and Laserdisc and HD DVD and DVD and Blu-rays and all my different formats like laid out like a video store. But uh, Midnight Video, that was where they had the Wrestling VHS. Like section had... Yeah, well, no, it wasn't a section. It was mixed in amongst the action oh. stuff, like with UFC action movies, Chuck Norris, mm. uh, and and wrestling VHS. But that's where they had WrestleMania 2000. That was never in on. And then I, oh, I you made went and you have made counter. mention of that, yeah, yeah. 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 I eventually went to the counter. I was like, "This is never in." They're like, "Oh, it must be lost." And I was like, "Well, I guess I'll never watch WrestleMania <laughs> 2000 then." Because <laughs> that's how you thought in the night. 90- well, I guess the 2000s.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, if you didn't see the pay per view and you couldn't get a hold of the tape, you just didn't get to see it. It's pretty wild. Yeah, uh, that's what was up. Yeah, I was just thinking about it because I don't, I didn't. In thinking about like renting wrestling tapes, since I always watched it on TV and then made my own tapes and watched the pay per views, I don't think that I ever we ne- my family never went to Blockbuster to rent uh, wrestling. We went to wa- rent movies and like Super Nintendo games. Um, right. But yeah, never never wrestling so it's interesting to think of doing that but it makes sense it would be cheaper to rent a probably cheaper to rent a pay-per-view afterwards obviously
0: then i just remember like when renting a movie was (laughs) such a cool thing you know or like renting a, a a game it's just so everything's so trivialized now like we have our super nintendo classics and we mod them and put like hundreds of games and stuff and you know anytime i want to watch any movie i just download it immediately and i just have it but i remember just like my dad being like, alright, if you go to baseball, like, I'll take you to Midnight Video and like you can rent three movies. I was like, three movies? Are you fucking serious? And um, you know when you always end up with the same movies? Like, I would just go there and be like, ah, I gotta rent Happy Gilmore again, I guess. <laughs> I mean, not a bad movie
1: to have to rewatch over and over again.
0: I mean, it's like, it had Bob Barker in it. My other big obsession was Price is Right, so it was a real bang for your buck movie. Sick.
1: Dude. <laughs> You know what else I was thinking is, next weekend would have been Wrestle Dynasty, which means you would have been. I mean, had prior to coronavirus and COVID, you, me, and Thomas had big Wrestle Dynasty plans for the two of you to come and stay with me and Siobhan uh, in Brooklyn.
0: We were so young.
1: Yeah, and it's and odd to think about how like
0: earlier in the year we were like we could probably still come for wrestle dynasty. There was a point where we were still like, maybe
1: it'll be died down by then. They haven't canceled it yet. Yeah. I think that might, might've even been as, as late as like March that we were like thinking that still, like I know the NBA shut down like mid March, but even then, I mean, none of us have experienced a pandemic before. So it's like, who knows how long truly it'll last. And now truly it's like probably, you know, going to last maybe years at this point in the States. Uh, But yeah, it's just like it's it's wild to think about the adjustments and changes that may have happened and what we would have maybe seen at Madison Square Garden and Wrestle Dynasty.
0: What do you think? Was there a card? Well, there was there was
1: no card. But if you think about the main sort of things that would have happened, I think the G1 was announced to be in the fall always because of the Summer Olympics. And I think that's like why Wrestle Dynasty was going to happen next weekend. But uh, yeah, that is why, because it was booked for August 22nd, 20, August I believe, next Saturday. And uh, the big pay-per-view that would have happened before this is Dominion. But Dominion, I, th- I feel, kind of probably shifted, because the Dominion that we've seen was Naito and Evil against each other, and it was Evil's coronation. Apparently, Evil's coronation was always going to happen, so maybe that was always going to happen at Dominion. But with evil, then maybe evil carries the belts into Madison Square Garden for oh. Wrestle Dynasty.
0: Maybe a rematch against. Yeah, who do you Knight who Knight.
1: do you think would have fought him at? As because that would have been the main event of Wrestle Dynasty, which was being sold much... as a Wrestle Kingdom caliber event.
0: Yeah, well, it probably would have been the Naito rematch then, right? Maybe Naito would have even won it back.
1: I guess so, yeah, give Naito like a second big like give him a coronation in the states. Also,
0: I don't know, man. You're the expert.
1: <laughs> well, you I I don't know. I yeah, I think I I in my mind it makes sense to have Okada in that spot. And now we've seen so Naito and Evil faced off against each other at Dominion and that match was not great. Like, I don't, do you think it would have been any better at Madison Square Garden? I mean, there was a New Japan crowd at Dominion, and it it was in a beautiful, huge space. And I feel like it did not, it's partly the booking, but partly just the match itself. I feel like the two of them maybe don't have the best energy with each other or something. They don't
0: have a lot of chemistry. That is true. I think Evil's style is a little plodding, and perhaps is building up to a third act that is going to kind of, taken to the next level but unfortunately because of the booking the third act is just mired in like tons of run-ins and
1: interference and interference
0: and yeah so it just kind of robs the match of any efficacy whatsoever um i mean that's how i've seen the two i mean the the takahashi one was better that was kind of carried by taka
1: yes yeah i think that makes sense i don't know yeah in my mind the the main event of wrestle dynasty needs to be like a huge five-star banger so i was thinking that it it did it would make sense to have okada face evil and have okada win have like a non go on like an undefeated streak at madison square garden but yeah in terms of what you're saying and just in general and thinking about it like in storyline now it would make sense for naito and evil to be the main event but then it's like does what does okada do at madison square garden then like
0: Okay, well, if we're if we're fantasy booking, which I know is your favorite thing to do, um, let's go back in time and do it ha- as it might have happened without the pandemic. So you have Wrestle Dynasty. In, if this in your scenario, Okada fights Evil. Yeah. Okada takes it off Evil. He carries it for a long time. What is the big? Does he carry it to Wrestle Kingdom? Yes. So who does he fight at Wrestle Kingdom? What's your what would be your Wrestle Kingdom fourteen?
1: I figured it would be appropriate to make a callback to fantasy booking since uh, <laughs> we both enjoyed that bit so much last week. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is funny. You, you know, it's funny because like last week you you brought this big like fantasy booking sort of scenario with AEW and I don't know if it's just like I've been thinking about it since then because obviously while you're going through it and everyone that listened last week knows as Mark was going through it, I kind of I was not totally engaged. I was not. I fucking was, zoned out. I was not, on a
0: crazy vlog about how he uh, hates Dream. Was not
1: there for it, but I I don't know if it's just because it's like WWE, so in my mind it's like why postulate these things that will one thousand percent never happen. I think and, it's
0: because the WCW invasion was such a failed opportunity. There was all these possible Dream matches that they didn't deliver on, other than Rock Hogan, I would say. Um, but even that's just kind of a WWF Dream match. Like at the end of the day, so yeah. Um, I don't know it's 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 fun to imagine how the two big promote again just as like action figures in our mind like to me I wouldn't have even have brought it up because I don't I read lots of things I hear lots of fantasy booking I don't bring it up but I thought it was so perfect and there were such good analogs of like MJF as kind of a Randy Orton right in AW and sort of having him face off against yeah his analog and you know Triple H and Cody as just kind of like maybe like mirror images of each other and stuff I just thought it was fantastic. And uh, I thought you might have had some fun with, you know, like things like Lucha Bros versus the Uses. <laughs> um, boy, was I wrong.
1: I think I would rather yeah. see like, like in my mind, I would rather see an AEW New Japan crossover event. And in my mind, in that fantasy booking. That's
0: not fantasy booking. That's, that's reality.
1: And yeah. if we had Okada win at Wrestle Dynasty, maybe the follow up event, if they did Wrestle Dynasty again, would pit the Rainmaker against the Best Bout Machine, and Okada would retain in that
0: match. Oh my god. I would love to see that. At, Do you yeah, think that... Um, I don't know. We were talking about how it was going to be the, the year of Osprey. Oh, wow. I, I really know. thought that
1: that was the case. I mean, it would have been the case, I think, if he was in Japan and able to get there.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. Oh, maybe maybe he... Osprey wins the G1 and then faces Okada at Ruskin Kingdom 14.
1: Yes, I like... Wow, I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, and we have the G1 here. Yes, I
0: like! <laughs> How much? Um, is Osprey in the G1 coming up?
1: We, I don't. They've not announced the field yet, so I'm not sure. Mm-mm. That'll be fun, though, once Mm-mm. they announce that. I wonder if there'll be any surprises. I guess Osprey would be a surprise since he's kind of trapped. Like, anyone from outside of Japan getting there is going to be a
0: surprise. How surprising would it be if he just came just, like, fucking jacked up? Will Osprey... No longer a super junior heavyweight, gonna win the G one. Can still do some flips, but not some crazy corkscrews no more.
1: I think he'll still be able to do that. It'll be like Brody King, kind of where he's like a luchador, but he weighs like three hundred pounds or however much Brody King weighs. Uh, okay,
0: speaking of Brody King, can we get into NJPW? New Japan Strong,
1: yeah. yeah. There's been a quite a few. So one one event that happened that was fine that I watched that Mark did not watch was the new Japan summer struggle trios, never trios tournament. And you just didn't have time to watch it. You're, you know, in the middle of a move and,
0: you know, but also, I don't know, just like, I'm just mostly not intrigued by these six men tags. It's interesting to me though, because
1: you, like, I understand, I understand that. And I think I somewhat agree with you from watching all of it, but, do you like you're, you're really hoping AEW has a trios title. Yeah. But you don't think that that you think the AEW trios titles will mean more.
0: I, I don't know what to tell you, man. All the AEW six man tags on dynamite have been ripping it up. Like
1: it is true. Like they are usually very, very excellent. I I,
0: I don't know how to, I, I don't know why that is. I was thinking about it today, how new Japan has the best singles roster How AEW has the best tag roster. How WWE has the best uh, women's roster. Yeah. Uh, And I was thinking about that today. And why I don't care about the tags in New Japan. Japan. Well, number one, the tag team field, I think we can all agree it's not it's not that it's weak it's just very It's universally
1: agreed upon that they don't care that much about their tag division so yeah yeah yeah
0: and i don't know i i guess with the tag match maybe it's because it's just a lot of people having singles feuds for a short period of time they don't really get to pay off that much like you said it's more of like a building block in a longer story um so it's just a lot of starts and stops without any cohesive story because a lot of but then again, even when there's faction matches, like, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just spoiled. Maybe it's because I have so much wrestling. If I didn't have so much wrestling, I would be watching the full New Japan events and enjoying the six-man tags. But at the moment, I just, I'm i am not excited about them. Like, I don't want to go back and watch the ones I didn't watch.
1: And they're not, that's the thing, though. I think with this, I i don't know. And it's not like they have a super limited roster, because there was a lot of people in the trios tournament, but from watching the New Japan Cup and from watching all of that, everything we've watched from New Japan together over the last like couple months, this entire tournament felt like we had seen all of these matches already. Like I don't think you missed out on anything not watching it. For everyone that's listening that maybe watched it or didn't watch it. If you didn't watch it, you definitely don't need to go back and like watch all of it. But one notable thing sort of through line throughout this whole thing uh, was Yoshihashi. And it was a great, I think the thing that's great about the DRIOS tournament this year is that it provided a platform for someone who's never won a title to won a ti- to win a title. And secondarily gave Yoshihashi, who a lot of people thought maybe, including us, maybe had a career-ending injury in the New Japan Cup this year, it gave him sort of the opportunity to shine. And it was great, like the, the finals, I'm not gonna go through any of like the preliminary stuff. It There was great sort of moments between everybody, but I would say no greater than any of the other trios, matches that we watched during the New Japan Cup. The finals, which I was most intrigued by, was the All-Chaos finals. So Okada, yeah. Yano, and Sho versus Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi. And I love the pairing of Okada and Show. Like that's a, such a sick tag team, and totally so good. They're both so they're they're both so versatile and how they work. The match starts out with Yoshihashi screaming Okada, and is like very intense. And Okada just kind of blankly stares at him,
0: <laughs> <laughs> as he's wont to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and like the crowd because they're not allowed to chant like the Okada, like the way they chant, they're clamp, they're clapping Okada and Okada just like points to the crowd and they're like booming and Yoshihashi is like all fired up and then two of them go for a while. And it's really great just to see, yeah, the two of them go at it to see someone like Yoshihashi, who I think is not given a lot of opportunities. And also like I, for me personally, I have never, I did not really care so much about, he wasn't one of my favorites on the new Japan roster at all. And you
0: remember, I didn't know him at all. And then, you guys showed me that clip of that girl who was like, he just tries so hard. And I was like, that's so funny that even like the most tertiary New Japan character has like ardent fans. And then I watched that match in the new Japan cup where Yoshihashi took a horrible injury and his leg bent back the wrong way. And he manages managed managed to finish the match and it became a, a a great match because of that injury. And then seeing him get destroyed by evil in the next round was so sad, but also he never really tapped out the ref stopped it yeah he was in the uh evils what's the submission evil submission I don't know the name of it uh we'll call it the the evil lock <laughs> <laughs> which absolutely is not I can't pull the yeah then uh had him in the scorpion death lock and Basically. He, yeah he didn't he didn't tap out. but uh so so, so yeah we thought that was the end of Yoshashi and now that it is return now I'm now I'm a Yoshishi fan and I didn't know him a few months ago and I love how that can happen and in New Japan, and also just in wrestling.
1: That's true because it did. They, they they do such a good job of building up different people in very fast spurts. Like it seemed like out of nowhere, at one point Jay White was the U.S. champion, and then out of nowhere he became switch. Like I mean, he was switchblade then, but he became like the switchblade that we know, who is this monster heel, winning the IWGP title. It's they're really good at doing
0: that. Who do you think has been there the longest? That is not gonna like ever become nj or wgb champion and is just kind of like the like kind of the most like the lowest in the rank in the packing order
1: that's a good question do you have do you have the thought someone i would have said
0: yoshihashi yoshihashi because he's been there for a long time uh has he ever done anything
1: this was his first
0: this was his first title win ever okay so probably yoshihashi then um but as far as people who like yeah, because he he doesn't seem like a, like someone who convincingly could be the IWGP champion. I mean, Yano uh, would be one. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Tamatonga and Tangaloa.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're so sl- slotted in the tag division that it's almost impossible for them to. I mean, I would say it's yeah, not likely that they'll get to that point. Maybe, but probably not.
0: I, and, yeah, I, I would say, like, they're not very interesting wrestlers. Like, I older agree, yeah, matches I that. seem to be pretty slow. Like, all the matches with them in the New Japan Cup USA were kind of skippable, in my opinion. And
1: the question you asked, I kind of agree with that, too, a little bit. Um, but I loved Finley's performance this uh, throughout the U.S. New Japan Cup. The other person that I think of, but I think you the, the question wasn't who's been there the longest the question is who's been there the longest that will never get IWGP status right
0: well it's it's not just that it's just kind of like ever ascend to that like that top level like you know what i mean like everyone has something like goto's won the new japan cup like someone like, i fear that happening
1: times. to is Ishii. but i think that that's not going to happen like i think he'll get I a also big think win.
0: it's not i also think it's not it's not going to happen i think he's like still on the on the ascendance mm-hmm. even though you know he's been around for a while, but yeah, I feel like people who have who time have passed them by and they're never going to be sort of main eventers. Yeah. The
1: the main person for me that comes to mind is definitely Yano because he's been there for so long, and but he's he's, he's great uh, in his role of who who he he's is. He's a
0: joke, right?
1: What? Who do you mean? Like he's a comedy wrestler. He's a comedy wrestler. Yeah. He's not a joke.
0: Okay, but sounds like, like you're slamming he's... him. No, absolutely not. But like. No one thinks that like Tajiri from early two thousands WWE is gonna win like the the heavyweight. Dude, tennis, Tajiri you know was I mean? sick. What are you talking about? I loved <laughs> Tajiri. He was sick, but they like they slaughtered him like a joke. You know what I mean? Like he's like he was a comedy wrestler at the time. Tajiri wasn't a great pull. It was just the first thing that came <laughs> to my head. Let me Dude, let he, me redo that. He tore the house down at WrestleCon Super Show last year. Dude, I fucking love Tajiri. Okay, it's, that's <laughs> not what this is about. I actually was thinking today about how um, Kenta kind of reminds me of Tajiri a little bit. With his oh, that's kicks. a
1: great comparison. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> God damn. it. Snow I maybe would have been a better comparison. Thank you so much. Yes, it's like n- like there's a certain like you kind of know what you are, and that that is like a mid card. But I mean, someone who could have been. Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Heavyweight well, I think Yano
1: when Yano wrestles definitely. But I think he's. You know, he owns a restaurant. He's slotted in as like...
0: Is it just called Yano's?
1: Uh, no. Fuck, what's it called? I forget what it's called.
0: Hacker what? in the 90s movies on the, on
1: the hunt here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Thomas is screaming it
0: right now, probably.
1: We were going to go, but we did not.
0: Uh... Thomas is screaming it right now? That's such a weird coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you hear him? <laughs> if only he was, he was tuned into this podcast um but yeah yeah, so overall like uh just circling back real
1: quick to the trios uh the finals of the trios tournament really great moments between show and ishii absolutely loved their chemistry uh ultimately ishii goto and yoshihashi win one thing i wanted to point out was just at the end it's a really good like just a great moment for yoshihashi the whole all of chaos like is happy for him for to win his first title. And they're all, they all shake it like the other the people on the other team, Okada show and Yano like pat him on the back, shake his hand. And then they give Yoshihashi his first belt. And then all of them pose together with Okada in the center at, for like uh, photos. And then Kevin Kelly reads a tweet by someone at the end. And I think you, it will make you like Yoshihashi even more uh, in and written by Andrea underscore Noli, where it says Yoshihashi is every one of us with not that much self-esteem, but that somehow always gets up for the next fight. Wrestling is beautiful and this story is so much more than a trios tournament. And it's a great encapsulation of just how New Japan can take well a said. small thing like that and, you know, make it make it matter even in a small way. Like it's not like go out of your way to watch, mind-blowing six man matches
0: no but you know what it is it's like stories that pay off and like stories that have arcs and are told and that can can roll with the punches like they weren't planning on necessarily yoshihashi kind of being an injury and and that that made it a better story and they like rolled with that that's
1: that is the difference yeah it's like oh yoshihashi was hurt yoshihashi was hurt we should acknowledge that that he was hurt and he's ripping it up and trying really hard and deserves a title The fans will love this. Let's give Yoshihashi this title, finally. Um, And yeah, now they're building... There's kind of a little bit of a break between... uh, I guess in two episodes, we'll be talking more about uh, the New Japan final, uh, the sort of final summer struggle match, which uh, is going to be outdoors at Jingu Stadium on August 29th. Uh, But they're building to a few sick matches. Minoru Suzuki versus Shingo Takagi for the Niver openweight belt.
0: Cannot wait for that.
1: Naito versus Evil, which I hope Naito wins. I guess I don't know. I, I really hope Evil doesn't win with interference again.
0: If Evil wins with interference, that is that will not be good.
1: And then King of Pro Wrestling twenty twenty starts on August twenty sixth. So there's a bunch of New Japan stuff com- coming.
0: Here's what should happen. Um, there is interference. Um, you know, Naito's down. Evil goes for the pin. Doesn't get it. Naito comes back a little bit, seems like Naito's going to get it, and then Evil wins with, and everything is evil. Like, there is interference, but it doesn't directly cause the pinfall. Yeah, every time he's won, it's caused a... It's directly caused. The win. And that's that's too much. Like, that doesn't feel like everything is evil. It just feels like everything is cheating. Yeah, it's really
1: frustrating. I don't know. I hope that... I, I If that happens, I, I hope Evil gets, like, an actual big win, and he wins... In a way that makes us a fan of his wrestling, not in a way that makes us feel like, can this be over with so we can see some crazy matches again?
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, NJPW Cup USA, we watched the quarterfinals and the semifinals. What did you think um, of,
1: what were what was your favorite match from the two nights?
0: Favorite match was Kenta versus Carl Fredericks. Um, that was the first match too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was a there was a couple of wrestlers who I were expecting to go a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Fredericks was awesome. I just want to say he was he was awesome in this match. Uh, I'm not sure about Kenta's mushroom cut right now. He looks kind of like a moody twelve year old. <laughs> um,
1: I like his haircut. Com-
0: commentary builds him up so much, and I can't figure out if that's earned or not, or if they're just trying to convince us that he is like the ring general. I mean, he can was, can... ele- I didn't watch Noah, so
1: I can't really provide you with deeper context of, like, what specifically he's done in Japan. But I know that he was a big part of Noah, and that's sold okay, a lot. A and of you okay. are right that they do, they do sell it to a point of where even I, who is kind of, is not, I'm not necessarily, can't give you
0: the, like, backstory of him and Noah, but, like...
1: They say things like he's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling in Japan.
0: Yeah, they said that. And I was like, uh, did I miss something?
1: Which I definitely think that's a stretch for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, it seemed like, I don't know. To me, it was like, okay, he's going to win this tournament now. Now that you said that. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, like, no one else
1: in this tournament comes close to that level of like yeah, status.
0: Absolutely. Um, I did love to see that, you know... Fredericks had some huge chops on Kenta and slaps and Kenta didn't even budge. Yeah. When he was taking them. He is strong as hell. His kicks are seem like they sting so much, like they're so so stiff. Um
1: yeah, the silence I feel like amplifies how hard Kenta's kicks are.
0: Yeah, totally. But I felt like Fredericks kind of dominated this match and I was I don't know. I would have put him a little bit further. He seems awesome. I know he was a young line before. But... I was just going
1: to ask that. I, I couldn't remember how much they talked about that on commentary or not, but yeah, he's, i I loved this match too. And this was one of my favorites for like bigger story reasons too, since there's the whole Kenta versus Shibata storyline happening, Carl yes. Fredericks being a uh, sort of descendant of Shibata. He's oh, I didn't realize that. You know, okay. A soldier of Shibata, however you want to frame it. You know, mm-hmm. there, those implications are within these kinds of matches. So it's, it's cool to see and having that go in there and then knowing Carl Frederick's intensity. Uh, it, I feel like really adds a lot to a match that doesn't have the biggest stakes, but you know, it was really fun to watch and kind of in the way he, Carl Frederick's it's been fun watching these different crops of young lions kind of ascend from young lion status to being, you know, just a, a wrestler, a part of the roster. And Gabriel Kidd is at that point. Now you, you have kind of almost made a joke now, about how much I talk about, Gabriel Kidd and how much I like him. But uh and like Yuya and Mura, few few of the young lions, like you know, that this crop of young lions is so good. Does Gabriel
0: Kidd remind you of anybody <laughs> on you the know, he's NXT got this, roster? He's
1: got this sort of presence that reminds me of Oni Lorcan. Uh but I think you just like saying Oni Lorcan. It is a fun name to say. It uh, is
0: Oni Lorcan.
1: But Carl Fredericks, I felt that way about him last year and when he was a Young Lion uh, when I first started to sort of pay closer attention to the Young Lions in the Undercard. And it's cool to see him. You know, he's got sort of like Ultimate Warrior type like tassels. Yeah, like he had boots, the tassels. Boots and yeah. tights. And yeah. he's
0: substantially bigger than Kenta. Like.
1: Yeah, he's a big dude. And I didn't realize that he was so big. Like, I in my mind, he was maybe... I don't know. Yeah, he was smaller in my mind. He was smaller than how towering he was over Kenta in that match.
0: Yeah, it it was funny. They were selling like, oh, he better be careful around Kenta, and I was like, oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Kenta won this match, and I, he he was awesome. Like I said, his kicks are fantastic. I love Kenta. Um, I just I, I feel like I'm being oversold Kenta right now
1: i i completely am there right there with you yeah and as someone that really likes i like i have grown to like kenta a lot when he first came to uh the new japan like during the g1 last year i wasn't as excited about him
0: well we also watched that like perfect roh match wasn't it kenta versus uh, Brandon danielson
1: yes that was incredible um yeah, yeah just so, big, big respect to kenta absolutely uh, I, I agree, though. They're talking about... Kevin Kelly talks about Kenta like he's Inoki or someone. Like, it's like right. it's not...
0: It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess maybe just being a WWF fan or WWE fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not really fan, but watcher. <laughs> <laughs> During that time and, like, remembering that Kenta was just... Uh, what was his name on the oh, WWE it, roster? Oh, Hideo Itami, right? Right. He was just in the Cruiserweight 205 Live and not particularly... Uh, booked well yeah that last match that he had was
1: the uh pre-show royal rumble four-way for the cruiserweight belt i believe and it was right moments of it were sick but it's like that person has a lot of potential that's being not used in wwe Squandered,
0: yeah absolutely um tangaloa versus jeff cobb i thought was fine
1: i thought jeff cobb was gonna win this he did and (laughs) Uh, I yeah Jeff Cobb's weird because I don't actually understand how he's when I first seen him in New Japan he absolutely destroyed uh, it was my first exposure to him uh, and then I see him in ROH totally destroyed there also and now I don't know last year's G one I was I feel like it didn't feel like he was there like totally felt didn't feel like he was present and I don't really understand it's
0: hard to get a read on <laughs> you sound like a you sound like a, a partner who is like. <laughs> upset with their their boyfriend that's funny. like i don't know he's here but he's just i don't know he's just not present you know what i mean <laughs> that's really funny uh
1: yeah so i i actually don't understand how new japan sees jeff cobb uh so i don't know yeah he's like a, he's an he's olympic athlete he's a beast kevin kelly always puts him over and he puts on fine a great matches standing
0: uh moonsault yes
1: yeah has a lot of cool moves a lot of sick matches uh but yeah this one was fine uh, David Finley, I felt ripped it up both against Chase Owens, and I'll go ahead. We can kind of maybe talk about both his matches at once. Chase Owens and against Tamatanga. I liked his match with Tamatanga quite a bit more than you did, uh, but
0: yeah, just Tamatanga just slowing things down a little bit. Um, I-, I loved Finley in both of these matches. Finley is my probably my MVP of the tournament.
1: Yes, he's someone I absolutely love. Juice Robinson, and in my mind, David Finley has just always kind of been like his sidekick. Not necessarily someone I've been a super fan of, but I liked him because of his tangentialness to Juice. And this, I've absolutely loved his performance. He's got this, like, quick agility. He does that, uh, it's like a spinning uppercut kind of thing that he does off the top rope that I really, its it, like, looks really cool. Yeah. And then his finisher, the prima donna, sort of a Spike Dudley-esque right. yes. That's... acid drop.
0: Right. I've never seen any of him before, and uh, I've never seen any of Fin Juice, so... I, this is kind of my introduction to Finley, and he's ripping it up.
1: And I did not expect him to win against uh, Tomatonga, so it's cool to see that he won.
0: I did not expect Tomatonga to beat Brody King.
1: What did you think of Brody? Is this the first time you have seen? This is Brody the first King? time I've seen Brody King. He Dude, hell yeah, scary. he's a he's scary awesome, man.
0: right? Why is he not in the finals? I don't understand. He's seems I awesome. was
1: hoping this tournament was going to be built around him. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, Tom going to get some wins, or else he's going to be you know, sad because he's been around for a long time. But then he lost
1: to uh, Finley the next night. But yeah, Brody King is one of my favorite people on the indies. Uh, it sucks that, like, he's on. I mean, I guess it's great that Ring of Honor is still going, but, like, if someone's on Ring of Honor, it's. You and I don't get. To... don't really watch Ring of Honor. So. We watch,
0: like, 2000s Ring of Honor.
1: Yes. So it's not like we're really going to get to see them perform. I love that Brody King's popping up in New Japan. I think he. it would be a dream he would be someone i would love to see in the g1 this year
0: yeah absolutely i would love to see his matches but in terms of
1: surprises because like mox and kento were kind of like the two surprise entrants last year yeah they were part of new japan but
0: yeah so the semifinals ended up being Tomatonga versus finley john really liked it i thought it was fine uh a little slow for me david finley's super cool um and then kenta versus jeff cobb which i was pretty much expecting kent to win this match and he did but it was a this was a good match i enjoyed this
1: yeah just slow plotting athletic match really cool like just the pairing of styles where mm-hmm. kent is a striker jeff cobb's olympic huge mass physical athlete yeah the two go at it this is a great match who do you think kent is going to win the tournament and then go on to beat mox or so i think if well Kenda wins, he, he is beats on mox. the mount rushmore of njpw <laughs> Yeah, could David Finley beat Antonio Inoki?
0: I don't know. I think about the two matches as far as money, and I think Moxley versus David Finley, that's pretty good. Moxley versus Kenta, yeah, that's probably better.
1: That's like a main event of a, if they could do a U.S. show, that would be the main event of a U.S.
0: show. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. And one thing that I know you didn't watch, which maybe you'll be sad that you missed out on, did you see who was in the opening six-man?
0: No, I missed it. Who was it?
1: Of night two? No. Oh, dude. Oh, man. From all of the G1 or GCW we've been watching, it was so sick to see this six-man happen on New Japan turf with Kevin Kelly calling it. Oh,
0: I know this because I sent you the... Yeah, Alex Zane
1: ACH, and TJP versus Blake Christian, Mysterioso, and PJ Black. And at the start of it, Blake Christian and Alex Zane rip it up. ACH is in there throwing sick drop kicks. It feels like a GCW. It's like New Japan presents a GCW scramble almost. Oh man! For like,
0: I actually probably a bit.
1: will go back and watch that. It's worth checking out. It's like not. It, it's also similar to the trios where it's not essential viewing, but just as someone who has been watching GCW a lot, and then we both have loved all three of those people: Alex a and ACH and Blake Christian. It's cool to see them and to hear Kevin Kelly calling, you know, their action.
0: Yeah. I did not think this was essential viewing, but if it leads up to Kenta versus David Finley, I think that match is gonna be awesome. So that that will be will have made this all worth it. Not that this wasn't worth it. It was a very it was it's like about an hour <laughs> of watch time. Like Yeah. I, an hour I, total, six matches. Yeah. For me, Finley, Chase Owens and Kenta Carl Fredericks were the were the standouts. So are you starting to come around on my side of the production value of the Deadly Draw? john
1: i get what you mean now like why so they're picking a teammate teammate at random but every single time someone is picked at random that someone is standing to the right of the camera just how like is that even possible ready
0: to just come out also if you're gonna just put like big and little swole together the nightmare sisters together evilese and um diamante diamante together why even make it a draw just like be like, hey, we have a tag team tournament, and we've assigned pairs based on.
1: Or you can pick your teammate.
0: Or you pick your teammate. Yeah, I, I, maybe we're thinking too much about this, but I just, I hate. I these. did not give it much thought until you pointed out the fact that
1: it is like weird that out of is does it just are we to believe are we to either believe. That it's not ra- it's not random, which we know it's not random. We know but it's not like...
0: random. Or every single AEW competitor yeah, is waiting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Wings. Are we to believe
1: every competitor is standing there <laughs> and it's like I'm the
0: one? It's me. Yeah, let's go. Yes, I don't think so. I don't. But appreciate that. Not but the production
1: value, apart from that, like the actual presentation, the song that they have at the start, all of that, I think is really great, actually. And I'm really enjoying watching the tournament. How are you feeling about it?
0: Yeah, these matches were not very good this week (laughs) (laughs) swole nation big swole and little swole versus
1: leva Bates and Russia Chanel yeah that was not a that was not a good match I see it's interesting because I really enjoyed leva Bates throughout the whole match and was wondering why she's not been used more than she has did you not feel that way
0: I guess not no um well she had a really nice fisherman suplex I wrote that down I don't know. Um, her her look, like her gimmick and stuff, is not not a fan of the librarian gimmick. I mean, I feel like Peter Avalon's been allowed to reinvent himself a little bit with his costume. Yeah, He doesn't look like. I mean, I guess sometimes when he's backstage,
1: he has the sort of he's got like a dress shirt on and glasses. But
0: it's like no librarian wears a robe. You know what I mean? No, you're his in ring gear
1: is not that of a librarian. Yeah, at all. I
0: think Leva Bates needs to. I don't know evolve that a little bit.
1: So on the tip of fantasy booking Diamante and Ivelisse are so sick. Yeah. Imagine. So one thing that I think that can we all agree it's going
0: to be Evilise and Diamante versus the Nightmare Sisters in the finals.
1: I think that's what it will
0: be. Yeah. And I hope I hope
1: that Diamante and Ivelisse win, but I think that the Nightmare Sisters are going to win. <sighs>
0: yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Well,
1: I think they're going to win, or it's going to lead to their split.
0: Right. Like, and Ivelisse and Diamante win. Oh,
1: you know what's probably going to happen? I, I don't know for sure, but maybe it'll lead to their split, and then Brandy and Allie will have a singles match at All Out. That's
0: so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I could not give... Tell us what you really think. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't get this story at all. I'm not, I I mean, I said that
1: in an excited way. I know, I know. I didn't mean to sound as excited about it. I'm not excited about it either. When did this story
0: make sense? Like, it was, out of nowhere, QT is with um, the bunny, and Brandy doesn't like it. That is the story of this. And now they're a tag team, and they sort of get along, but the bunny is, like, really bratty or something. The bunny doesn't get to do anything except just be like, and like cheat to get <laughs> in the deadly draw and stuff. I I hate this. I'm so sorry, Brandy. I don't want you to quit your social media. I just hate I just hate this story.
1: I yeah, I think that I mean I, I agree. I think there could be they could be used better. But rolling rolling back to Diamante Evil East, just their entrances with their flags. Yeah. And how they came out in like the U, UFC style, flags. you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. How sick so something that I think that I've loved that's happened in the women's division. Is that Dark Order is accompanying? Um, I can't think of the yeah. I know who you mean. Girl's name yeah. Uh, that they have adopted into their. She's a
0: woman, John.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: That, that they've adopted into their <laughs> their cult, and it just has me thinking like that shift, like where it's a new thing. I think is really cool. Like that's not really happened before. Where there's a dominant man male on the roster like brody who's going to be the champion eventually basically being a valet to a new lower card female performer yeah I that think is that, that cool. is a very very cool very way, sick new thing way to build somebody and out i was thinking how cool would it be if diamante and Evilise, if both of them or one of them had that same thing and they were either brought in to inner circle and had Jake Hager as like a trainer, sort of, and like slash heater. Jericho, yeah, yeah, and Jericho as a mouthpiece, or brought into Death Triangle and had, were accompanied by Pack and the Lucha Bros. Okay, well then
0: it's definitely Death Pentagon at that point.
1: Oh, and then Butcher and Blade too. How oh, insane God, would, that what would that be? be? Death. Uh,
0: <laughs> we got have <laughs> one more. Seven, what's, what's a seven? Seven sided. sided. Oh my gosh. Uh
1: a seven-sided shape is a heptagon death heptagon
0: <laughs> that sounds like a sexually transmitted disease uh let bring one Should more we in. make it eight-sided yeah, Who death else octagon. You to make a death octagon yeah <laughs> okay let's just keep a death pentagon let's keep the butcher and the blade out of this and bring you Valise and diamante in
1: but how sick would that be To have, like could, i don't know i love entrances... them in the
0: inner circle that would be fantastic
1: my favorite part of the whole night were their and was Ivalice and Diamante's entrances and it just had such a big match feel. They uh, they have MMA backgrounds so it like makes sense that uh, you know, someone like uh, Death Triangle or Inner Circle, you know, they'd had, they'd be surrounded by a bunch of people. Sort of the way Tyson had his huge weird crew with him oh, in that very
0: blip of a moment. That what did we call them?
1: <laughs> you... Didn't you call him Mike Tyson? Well, you said Mike Tyson's House of Horrors. Right,
0: but, but no, he had a he had a crew of, like, the... Uh, oh, the Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, I
1: really enjoyed the two of them. I thought Rachel Ullering was cool, too. I don't know. What did you think of her, that person? Yeah, she
0: was cool. Uh, it was also great to see uh, Dasha. Uh, I didn't realize she was also the... Other than being the presenter of the very low-budget uh, Deadly Draw, she's also the Span- uh, Spanish-language commentator. So it was cool that uh, she was a wrestler as well um and she did she did good like it's not like yeah like i thought i thought that that match was solid yeah it was Um, yeah it was a solid match i agree um anything happen on dark that was fun john i told you i was gonna do this
1: this (laughs) for
0: everybody i I keep saying this
1: but i think that they're doing they're like transitioning dark in a way where it does they're prepping it to be the net the other the secondary show just based off of the cards that uh, they booked this time and the way that sort of the matches happened. Um, Yeah, like the opening match was Lee Johnson versus Ray Phoenix, and it was sick, very much a banger. Often the distance of this match was a cockroach or some kind of gigantic bug.
0: Oh, yeah, you told me about this. That's so weird.
1: I sent you and Thomas screenshots of it, and it's so strange. So the frame, it frames in on ray phoenix's head and then in the background you see a blip sort of gliding across the screen (laughs) and then it zooms out and you still see this bug making it i mean they're outside in florida so there's probably some big ass bugs out there oh yeah
0: when it gets but yeah
1: that match was very sick uh alex chamberlain versus your boy sean spears Incredible match. Sean Spears he got a slight like gear mesh? update. Really? Yeah, yeah. I would say a really good match. Like way like my... <laughs>
0: Well,
1: if incredible is like Okada Omega, this is a good match. Yeah, there. sure. Um, incredible for Dark in that I think it exceeded my expectations for what it was. I see an Alex Chamberlain post on Reddit that it was like his first... It took him 17 years to get to this point, so it's cool to see him used that way uh it's someone i was unfamiliar with just one of the random sort of job people that they use on dark sean yeah. spears got a win alex chamberlain kind of had like a brody king presence like he's like ba- a big dude uh had a like beard sort of similar look uh was really cool Tor- they tore the house down spears hits a death valley driver on him uh tony accidentally calls it a canadian destroyer taz <laughs> politely co- corrects him
0: taz is a very polite man so i believe that
1: uh, and the match that I actually was one of the reasons sort of why I wanted to get your opinion on this episode Sorry. or why I wanted you to watch it is cause TH
0: two faced off against the natural nightmares. Oh my God. My and... two favorite tag teams in the world. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I think you'd have quite a few opinions on it. They were the um, fight to
0: be the most irrelevant tag team in the company.
1: And I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I've, I watched it like. I I have been watching Dark every week and I can't. I think this might be TH
0: 2s one of their first matches back. I have not seen TH Two in a long time. TH Two, of course, by that we mean uh, In Shape Forty Four Oh H. Yeah, cut Ricky Shane Page. <laughs> it's really just their their outfits. It's the green outfits, right? And they they each
1: each have like kind of ha- like I don't know floppy hair. Yeah, that's right. Like- Yeah, I don't know. But
0: this match. I love skeletons and all Halloween related imagery, but (laughs) Teach2 has some truly heinous gear.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Like, I do. I really love, like, skeletons. I'm surrounded by Halloween decorations in my studio (laughs) right now.
0: I don't know why, but I imagine Christopher Walken saying that. Like, wow, I'm surrounded by Halloween decorations. Scary. So, throughout this match,
1: the natural nightmares dominated and. I don't know, man. I they dominated TH2. What? <laughs> they did. The, yeah, the heavy force of TH2. Well, don't you think don't don't you think TH2 should win this match or should have won this match? No, because they've been off in Ring Rust and Natural Nightmares are established
0: or what? I guess I don't know. I just don't <laughs> care about TH2. I guess they've just done, they've just done a bad job at presenting TH2 as a tag team. Just like because I know I know those guys can go.
1: Yeah, it just the way we talk a lot about the way different wrestlers are presented and this to me is presented in a way where like it's like old school wrestling's way better than all your flippy shit is the way that this match sort of the thesis of this match because like at the start of it uh jack evans does like a moon like a flip into the ring and then just Almost in like a uh, Disney character like fashion, goes through a right, sequence like lands, lands, and then does a sequence of more flips as Dustin kind of just stands there, and then he stops and Dustin st- does like just one strike and strikes him to the ground.
0: I figured it'd be like an uppercut, one of those, Yeah, it's
1: like, one of his. Yeah, one of his classic sort of
0: strikey uppercuts.
1: Yeah, and then so they dominate through most of the match, and then at the end. Dustin is taking care of both of them at the same time and then gets a pin
0: and then they went for just a brief moment. I was imagining like, I'm like a kid like laying in bed, going to sleep. And you're like my dad, like telling me a story. <laughs> you're like, and so, and then they would dominate for most of the match, but then Dustin goes in, gets a pin. Good night.
1: <laughs> so that's basically the gist of that match. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, I I am not at all sold on TH2, and I'm happy to see the Natural Nightmares get a win because I like them as a team, but this it seems like not the place. really seems like,
0: like a, the a, a, a real dark match to me. I agree. Real AEW dark match.
1: Uh, the last two matches both were good. I, uh, Paul, Penelope Ford faced off against Paul Ellering's daughter, Rachel Ellering. And oh, I'd love to see that. That was a good match. Very great. Penelope always kills it. Was... You know, an exhibition match, very much a dark match, just not too long. I think like maybe eight minutes. And then the main event, which it's completely solidified me as the Butcher and the Blade, I think being my favorite tag team in AEW, they wow. destroy SCU and SCU brings it to it's Daniels and uh, Kaz against the Butcher and the Blade. And it's a long, ma- it's a, maybe almost like a 20 minute match in the main event of dark. And wow. just the, ed- like, there's just so like, there's something about the butcher in this match where it feels different. Like it feels like I've been given the main event spot and I'm treating this like I was given the main event of all out and we're going to bring it. And I'm bringing, he brought this intensity to the ring and he always does that like March that he does, like where he like stomps around the ring, but there's just this like, I don't know, like Ken Shamrock, like intensity about him this week. And I already love the butcher and the blade. But that's how the match started, and then the butcher just out of the gate fucking goes nuts on both uh, both of them. And then throughout the match, SCU gets the upper hand a little bit. It's like a like a masterfully built tag match. At the end, the butcher goes nuts and just you know wins the match. They cut like a, not really a promo, but like the camera pulls in on them and they're like talking and talking about they're here and they're gonna destroy. And that
0: sounds like a promo, John. It's not like, but they're
1: not given a mic or anything, you know. It's like oh, they're they're not. It's like the they the in ring camera. The camera's picking up their vocals, but it's not like it's they've stopped and are standing with a Dasha in the microphone, you know. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I I I love the Butcher and the Blade, and I implore everybody to go back and watch this match. This is my favorite match on Dark from the from this year so far.
0: Wow, that's huge! Clip out three matches for me to watch from that dark
1: butcher and blade versus SCU Ray Phoenix versus Lee Johnson.
0: I will watch any Ray Phoenix match for and
1: sure. Alex Chamberlain versus Sean Spears.
0: Nice. Okay. Will do.
1: Those are the three that you should absolutely watch. And you know, it, it was a great lead in to dark, uh, to dynamite. It felt like a good, like here's everybody else that we have on the roster. That's what dark felt like. And then dynamite, we have all these big storylines going on leading up to, all out and dude, all out felt like it was like six months away when we started doing this podcast. I can't believe that it's two Already, weeks away.
0: I know it's crazy because this
1: podcast started with Double or Nothing, and at that point it was like before it was May, so it was a little bit before summer. It really felt like a whole like a half a year away, basically. And, That's true. You know, three months blew by, and we are here in the lead into all out, and. I'm hyped up on most of the matches that they're building towards. The, this Dynamite started with Young Bucks versus Uno and Grayson in a banger of a tag match.
0: Man, this was so good. I am loving all the different configurations of the Dark Order. Like, they are all killing it. Everyone's been really having time to shine. Uh, this week, I felt like it was really Uno and Grayson. Like, they really killed it this week. Is their time
1: to rip it up? Yeah, it's like they... they... They have been having, they've had some really good matches on Dark where it's like, oh yeah, this, that, that's what like the Bucks and everybody's seen in in them prior to AEW when they were the Super Smash Brothers. And now we're getting to see that. And it's really cool to see that come out. It feels,
0: yeah. And it feels less like they're just being booked because they're the Dark Order and that's like the faction that is. The heel faction, you know what I mean, right? That th- their slot felt a little bit like that before, but now they're just so good. You're like, Oh, yeah, they're just an awesome tag team. And in fact, like Brody and Colt are getting to that point as well. Um, and uh, what are the other ones' names? Um, John Silver and Alex six? Reynolds, yeah, Silver and Reynolds, they, they were awesome too. Yeah, like, they're they... a little bit. I know I didn't really like
1: the Cody Cardona match with them, but they are. Sit. They're fun you didn't to like watch. it because
0: they because they were too uh they were too good. Too
1: yeah. dominant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it's been cool to see. It it's interesting just going back, like thinking of our first podcast and just our conversations together over the last year about Dark Order. Uh how that's evolved
0: so much, because we were very anti Dark Order for a while.
1: Yes. Not into them at all. Uh yeah, I don't know. It's just over this year have been totally sold on them as a faction and as a big dominant group and I love that the. it seems like with the way they slow-built them, where it's like, well, we have Uno and Grayson, and they're great, and they're good tag team wrestlers, so we'll build this faction over the last year, because Uno and Grayson debuted at the first Double or Nothing, which was now a year and three months ago. And then those different iterations that could have happened where if like Marty Scurll had come into AEW, and then yeah. wasn't Dr. Luther also considered, which would have been... Well,
0: I mean, Chris Jericho was definitely considering it. I don't know. Well, if yeah, else was. I well,
1: I just mean like his name was in thrown in the hat, not necessarily like this is a good idea. Let's do it because that would have been awful. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like
0: how Kanye is intent in contention for president right now.
1: <laughs> That's a good comparison. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and ultimately we got Brody Lee, and it's been the slow story where you know, they weren't winning matches. They weren't really doing very much for a long time. And then out of nowhere now it's like, feels like this impossibly dominant force. And the, we are one taunt like mid match was really cool where they're like dominating. And then they take a break to do like the, put their palms up and do their cults. Well, there finally
0: is strength in numbers. That was the idea, but it wasn't really working. Now there's like two or three dark order tag teams that are like, have been climbing the ranks. Three separate iterations. They're climbing the ranks. Every time that there's, like you said, a dark order wrestler fighting, Brody will come out. A lot of them will just loom on the, uh, the you know entrance ramp, way, yeah, the entrance way, and just give uh, give their teammate the psychological advantage in the match because it's super. Even just as a viewer, I'm intimidated by it. So imagine being like a wrestler in the ring, trying like, to win a like match
1: somebody. where there's this group yeah. of people watching you. It is intimidating. Yeah, even like you're right to point that out in those instances where it like cut. There's that one, it might have been last week, where it panned over to Taz on commentary and they were just standing there next to him.
0: Yes. Yeah. And he was like, got he was a like freak, oh, I'm man. kind of freaked out here. <laughs> These guys are weird. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the crystallization for Brody was when he lost at double or nothing to Mox. It was a great match. We got to see him in action and also just kind of changed his character a little bit. I think snapped him out of that Vince McMahon thing and made him like day.
1: a incompetent aggressive boss that is helping people win matches and is sort of this like he has too many people that he's overseeing and those people aren't doing their jobs it's a funny oh, story that they're telling yeah he's getting frustrated so he's hitting he's hitting them with papers he's getting he's, he's going wild and yeah I, I i uh i've absolutely loved that sort of evolution and yeah, this match was great. The Bucks really brought it as well. It's it's interesting because over the year, like I have become, I think the like I was all in on the Bucks before all Elite wrestling started. I watched being Elite every week and followed them. You know, watched them in New Japan, went to live events that they were did with Ring of Honor and stuff. But they did such a good job of just allowing their company to grow and uh, like let other people get the spotlight, and they like you know yes. use their you know, sort of, like, status and, you know, pool within the wrestling industry to develop this company that now facilitates someone like Butcher and the Blade to be featured weekly on a wrestling show. And, you yeah, know...
0: They absolutely could have booked themselves into, like, the stratosphere yeah. and not really let anyone else... Yeah, I absolutely could have seen that. And, I mean, like, some people argue that for for Cody, but, like, like we say every week, I feel like Cody puts over... And some Every someone from the wrestles with.
1: someone from the elite, someone from their core sent group of people needs to be champion, and right now three of the five of them are. But I think it makes sense, and it's a surprising thing with Hangman and Kenny that they're the tag champs and that they're doing great at, as tag champs. And Cody, I feel like there's no more perfect person to be the first T N T champion than Cody. I don't know. Absolutely.
0: And this like really slow build towards young bucks and FDR is just giving me life right now. I love it.
1: Yeah. Just to jump ahead a little bit to that. I rewatched the promo that we were kind of confused by that they did where there was the tag team celebration where FDR and the bucks rock and roll express and Tully and R are in the ring. So like, we were kind of confused when we were watching it live where kind of like why that scuffle starts because Tully yells then Arn says I feel like it's
0: because Tully yells right Tully gets in the face of the rock and roll express
1: Tully yells Arn says he's a grown-ass man they stop look up to the entranceway and Sean Spears is there kind of like intimidating and then they cut back to the ring and Ricky Morton punches Tully
0: yeah but Ricky punches Tully because Tully got in his face and was like shut up right I'm not saying it was right. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, saying when
1: that happened, I when we first watched it, I didn't notice that at all. Oh,
0: you didn't notice the punch? No, oh, no, okay. no,
1: no. Yeah, I was like, well, this is weird, ominous Sean Spears, and that punch happened. Yeah. So is that going to be the impetus to set up Bucks and FTR, or is it just going to keep being dragged out, you think?
0: Oh, do you mean are we going to get Bucks, FTR at All, all Already
1: at All Out, yeah.
0: I mean, I think they were trying to save it for a crowd but there's no guarantee that that's going to be a possibility in the next year, like whatsoever. So, yeah, I feel
1: like what they're doing now, the amount of like, cause they started to let some friends in, it seems like the, there was like a little yeah. bit of a crowd. Some people had signs, but that in my well, mind is the max amount of people. That's going to be allowed to a live event in the States
0: for, for a while. Okay. Well, for at least eight out. months, I would say, Let's figure out how this all-out card is shaping up right now. So you have MJF versus... John Moxley, which title. that's a confirmed... That's going to happen. Uh, and then, does Cody have a competitor yet? I well, Cody...
1: No, and Cody's facing Brody on August 22nd. So next Saturday, Brody and Cody I are actually facing... Heard, a I actually heard that Cody's going to drop it to Brody. I think it makes sense. It's kind of like at least this week specifically and last week, both shows have felt very dark order heavy. And yeah. I feel like one of them needs one someone in their group needs a big win like that in order to actually yeah. solidify their standing. Cody could easily, Cody doesn't need anything. He's Cody. Like he doesn't really need a belt. Uh, and he's had a great, that was a great first reign. If that's where he drops it. Do you think he's going to drop it?
0: I wouldn't have said that on... until I kind of heard that rumor online. I figured Cody would keep it for a lot longer and keep keep that kind of open challenge going. Because like, yeah, it's such just good television.
1: Cool, different, like indie people coming yeah. in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would have said no, but I heard like that was the word on the street that I had read. So you think Brody the word on the street? <laughs> that's a great way to put like squared circle <laughs> <laughs> on the street. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's
1: pretty. That's pretty funny, actually. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And then Brody gets it. Issues an open challenge, and
0: Rowan and answers the
1: open challenge.
0: Oh, Dodoy. Well, yeah, he is I don't know. Coming. I'm
1: just guessing. I don't know. Is he? Oh,
0: did you? Yeah.
1: I don't know. Apparently. Yeah, I've not read anything about it.
0: I don't know. To me, that would be a little bit too, like... Like, you could you could start to make the WWE... Comparison? comparison complaints at that point. Just like, okay, you're just booking WWE shit now.
1: Yeah, that's true. Never mind. Scratch that. We don't need a Bludgeon Brothers beat down at all out i mean i'd like Although to see, who would
0: be i mean it would be sick as shit like i'm not i'm not gonna lie if not him then who
1: would you maybe matt cordona i guess but that's still that's, just, that's wwe that's, too right
0: yeah yeah that's and that also seems kind of boring
1: i agree i don't who, think it's interesting i was just trying to think of like who is in the sphere of the the who
0: has not fought cody yet for the for the title who is kind of a like a, a high upper mid card contender
1: pack because he's not there phoenix and phoenix or pentagon scorpio sky just had a match in on this show
0: did darby uh, have one yet
1: i don't think darby has had one yet no maybe he did
0: did darby fight cody i'm not sure we absolutely should know this yeah because it, it would have had
1: to happen within the last within the span of this podcast
0: because brody versus darby would be cool
1: just did a quick search. The only thing I can find is the original match between him and Cody. Yeah, Cody yeah. versus Darby would be cool. What does Brody Co- versus well, Darby. Brody versus Darby would be cool, Yes. Yeah. So if Brody takes it, then what does Cody do at all out?
0: Fights Matt, Card- Matt Cardona. Mm. Is- I don't know. Like you, They are very quickly going to have to figure out a thing to do with Matt Cardona or I'm going to stop caring. Really? And it's already happened.
1: You love action figures, though. And he's a wrestler that loves action figures. Isn't he like your guy?
0: So that means I should like him as a wrestler? I just want to be his friend. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, why not? Well, you wouldn't support your friends if they were wrestlers, Mark?
1: Well, I would. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like I love that Darby Allen actually is like an actual skateboarder. Like someone no, who totally. skateboards. He's not a pro skateboarder. Like he's a dude who skateboards that also is a wrestler.
0: My, my opinion is when you bring someone like Zack Ryder from WWE and you've said, like, hey, they've been not used well and, like, underbooked and stuff, you have to pretty quickly do something to, like, capitalize on that energy of having them. Yes. And I feel like they haven't really done that yet. Hmm. Like, he wasn't on this episode, right?
1: He was not. The, la- the, the the Really, the only big thing he's done so far is teamed with Cody against the Dark Order in that match.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Him versus Cody for the title seems like an obvious thing they could slot into all out. Yes. Well, that's if, why
1: I was thinking Cardona maybe would face Brody Lee at All Out, but
0: yeah, I don't know. Cardona should um should turn on Cody next week, join the Dark Order and cause Cody to lose the title to Brody.
1: Yeah, there's like not a lot of time cuz All Out, so there would be there's 1 2 You think
0: you think Cardona could be in the in the in the Dark Order?
1: There's th- yeah, oh, that'd be interesting. There's three I believe there's three dynamites before all out. So three dynamites and three darks before to set something like that up. It's just interesting, yeah. This we're this close to that, and really all we have is for sure confirmed is MJF versus Mox, right? That's the only
0: That's the only confirmed match. Yeah, and then so I guess I, oh, if ahead, I was sorry. trying to big if I was trying to book the biggest pay per view right now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Not trying to save anything, I would put F T R versus the box but it kind of has to be for the for the title right so it means one of them would have to win the title before then
1: right and hangman and it seems like but we haven't got have we have we haven't got hangman and omega versus ftr
0: no that's probably all out i actually. think that's, that's the all out that's all out yeah. and then ftr will win it there there take the titles and then they'll be like we're the best in the world and then the bucks will be like no we're the best
1: and then yeah maybe full gear bucks versus FTR there. We've
0: just, we've just done the work for you.
1: This for is you, the kind Tony. of fantasy booking I can not get into, bro. The only other match that seems to be sort of like hinted at and confirmed for all out, maybe is Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Cause of the promos yes. that are happening and sort of the back and forth, uh, which is
0: interesting. It's interesting how this has turned out because it really seemed like Sammy was going to like join Matt. Right.
1: Hardy. Yeah. It seemed like Matt Hardy was going to start a faction with Sammy and private Party.
0: I know you think that this is all like mostly works and stuff, but I think Matt Hardy became genuinely annoyed with Sammy Guevara at some point. Really? Like, I think even before the the chair throw, I feel like he wanted to work with Sammy, and then at a certain point he didn't anymore, and now it's become a feud. You don't buy that. I don't don't
1: think so. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the way that, like, I think... with the golf ball size scar on his head, I would think that he is mad about that. But I think overall, it's kind of more just like you fucked up and I'm mad at that. But let's do something good with this dumb thing that you did. Overall, yeah, I think that right. that I just think with the way AEW is with like sort of the collegiality of the wrestlers, it just seems like that.
0: I mean, we assume that, but do we actually know that? Yeah, true. You're right. I don't know. I don't know, because FTR was talking about how they had no love in the locker room when they first... Oh my know.
1: god, that's gotta be bullshit. Are you kidding me? Everyone's probably so excited <laughs> to, to have FTR there. Like, yeah, no way. Uh, I love
0: how, like, I'm just, like, hook, line, and sinker buying all this, like, wrestling shit. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Matt, like, fucking hates <laughs> said you wanted to work with him, but now he doesn't. And also, like, FTR, like, they're not, they don't get a lot of love, and you're like, Dude, these are the fucking storylines. Like, you're just talking about the storylines.
1: I mean, I love that you're getting lost in the storylines. It's like when Cult had that crazy purple scar, and you're like, dude, did you know that was real? It's like, yeah. How would that, like, why would they go out of their way to fake that? It looked too real to be fake. Like, and she was, like, huge. I don't know. Yeah. It's like he's not in makeup for four hours to do a five minute promo backstage. Uh, you know what, John? Sorry to shatter the reality, Mark.
0: My i has gone. I do think, it, I do,
1: <laughs> I do think that there yes, sure, there is probably some contention between some people backstage. In the I same way that understand. like, you don't like every person that you work with. No, like, but I just don't, I don't understand
0: know. why, how that came, came, got from come be, like, let's let's work together to now we're fighting. Like between Yeah,
1: them. I guess tracking that would be interesting. Like, thinking about where that, because he came, when he returned to be with Inner Circle... When Sammy returned to be serpentico with Inner Circle yeah. and they were beating down, I don't remember who they were beating down, but I think that's when Matt Hardy came in and interfered and stopped it from happening.
0: I just get the sense from Matt Hardy that at this point in his life, he doesn't give any fucks whatsoever. And when he feels like being Matt Hardy in the ring and not any of his characters, he'll do that. And when he feels pissed off at Sammy Guevara, he's going to tweet that. So I just thought, like, maybe at some point he was interested in working with Sammy and then wasn't anymore because of that whole thing that happened with um, Sammy getting suspended. And, like, right. something changed and he's like, no, mate, ne- you, yeah, never mate, mind. You I want to right. fight him now. And then he got super pissed when Sammy threw that chair and was like, you. W-. he did, He called him like a. Like an arrogant, weird little piece of shit. And it was the word weird that I thought was so funny.
1: Like a strange, like, he, there's like actual, little, like, hate, yeah. hatred behind it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It felt, it felt uh, genuine. So I don't know. I just feel it's interesting that we've very quickly gone from, hey, come work with me, Sammy, to like, now I'm going to attack you. But, good uh, good point. I don't know. What do maybe... you think
1: of Scorpio Sky versus Cody?
0: That was a really good one. I really enjoyed that. Um, Scorpio is awesome. Like, I'm so glad that they've pivoted to, SCU just being Kaz and Frankie as kind of like like an older team because I felt like they were definitely holding Scorpio Sky back. Um he could have won it here. Like there were he could he could have been the second TNT champion. He it is
1: kind of great that AEW has facilitated sort of a promotion where that's fine. Like it's it's cool and fine and would be it would have been really fun to see Scorpio win Wednesday. It will be cool. If Brody wins next Saturday, yeah, and it's also cool and fine if Cody retains through both of those and then drops it at all out. Like it's a it's cool that there's a promotion like that now.
0: I don't know. It's well, John. I mean, you know, he could win or he could lose. It's real life. (laughs) What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say wrestling's predetermined? No, I'm
1: just saying like with our our wishes and hope. You know what I mean, right? Totally,
0: hundred percent. It's I it's genuinely you don't know and it doesn't feel like because they don't know like no and i I don't
1: and they built this roster of people where it's like i think almost anybody on the roster close to almost anybody on the roster could win the tnt title and i would be totally it's like oh cool where's this going
0: i don't yeah. yeah i agreed this was a really strong dynamite like bucks in the dark order was a great opener cody versus scorpio sky was like really fast paced just really classic wrestling match
1: uh, omega. omega hangman jurassic express hangman o- omega and jungle boy one-on-one oh my god so good i
0: love seeing kenny where he's the big guy and is fighting mm-hmm. like and like even when he's like uh he snapped dragons marco stunt on the outside yeah oh T- my god and taz was like whoa he knocked the water out of his ass <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that expression it was the funniest thing i've ever heard but yeah like yeah uh, kenny is the as the aggressor i find really captivating
1: Oh, it's yeah. He's the be- the the best bout machine. When he's got know, that, the,
0: but when he when he brings that killer instinct to fight like Jungle Boy and Marco stunt, like it's very yeah, absolutely. Very when he
1: channels sort of the Terminator, yeah. New Japan Kenny Omega, and not yeah, uh, I don't know, just like the time he's team, just happy way more aff-
0: yeah, he's way more affable in AW. He's like the reasonable guy. He's like trying to like keep the peace between everybody when he's just a killer like that's when When he turns
1: it on it's very sick yes
0: yeah this was this was awesome i like to me i would watch kenny omega luchasaurus in the main event like
1: oh yeah the dinosaur versus the best machine madison square garden book it
0: fuck like i love it yeah this that would be so sick this was another really good match um we've joked about not really enjoying jericho not not enjoying jericho cassidy but um for me, it's, like, not been, like, a main event caliber feud. And they keep kind of uh, pushing it down our throat. Like, do you guys want to see this rematch? And I'm always like, eh, kind of. Uh, I know Thomas is, like, super pissed listening to this right now, for sure. <laughs> but uh, I thought this was their best match.
1: I agree. And I don't know. but See, overall, we didn't, I don't know if we mentioned this. I know we talked about, uh, maybe talked about it with the Arnantelli stuff. But it was Tag Team Appreciation Night. Oh, right. So I feel, like, I feel like it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, maybe this should have been saved for like next Saturday's Dynamite or something. Like if this is going to be Tag Team Appreciation Night, like it would have been nice to see a couple more tag matches. Like it's there, funny because
0: last week it was like all tag matches.
1: Yeah. So, but also I don't know. Like yeah. Every so like, week
0: is Tag Team Appreciation Week at AEW.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice to see, like, if it is Tag Team Appreciation Night, it would have been nice to see the best friends in more than just the run-in during this match. would have been cool to see Butcher and Blade featured. And, yeah, I don't know, I've, I felt like this match, it was fine, and it wasn't the greatest match ever, and I don't necessarily would not want to watch another rematch at this point.
0: Yeah, I am so. kind of done with this. Feud, i to think that honest. we're gonna see a third one though, we absolutely are because won, it, w- right? it wasn't a de- i mean it was a victory for cassidy but it wasn't definitive like it was kind of like a roll-up right yeah
1: it, yeah he did like a mousetrap roll-up
0: yeah so i guess this pays off at all out right like for god's sakes let's bury this feud i'm just ready for orange just to fight different people at this point yeah well both of them yeah yeah would totally like to see them do other things with
1: who lastly who is Sheeta facing
0: at all-out do you think i have it's no, like i have no idea at this point
1: i feel like the best options are either a rematch between her and penelope ford or a rematch between for, with night Ny, uh nyla rose
0: i would love to see either of those honestly i like we said before i would watch a series of penelope ford and cheetah uh, based mm-hmm. on their last match and i think that cheetah versus nyla rose was probably the best uh women's match that aw's had so far so
1: I would list that in my, like, if I, bo- I, we should eventually kind of maybe separately at some point go through and like make a list of our favorite COVID era matches.
0: But yeah, other than that, if I had to pick some people out of the Deadly Draw who have yes. been eliminated. Yeah. Uh, oh no, she hasn't been eliminated yet, but I uh, Tay Conti is so awesome. She probably will be eliminated, but hasn't been eliminated yet.
1: Tay Conti would be very sick. Maybe Diamante or EvaLise, but yeah, nothing. There's been no. That's kind of why I was saying, wouldn't it be great if, like Diamante or EvaLise, were brought into Inner Circle or Death Triangle? Because then it's right. it gives, it would give Jericho something different to do that he's never done before, which is be the valet to a up and coming female performer, and. I just think it would give sort of there's not been the thing that I think has been lacking is not so much that AEW doesn't have they have good female performers but in my mind I feel like they haven't really incorporated those performers into really great meaningful storylines
0: like other than Britt Baker and even um, th-
1: that, like that's funny and that's going really well like that that is she's doing an incredible job as like a wild heel Who's trying to like sue the whole roster and is pissed that her nose is broke and is, she's you know in a wheelchair. That I think is great, but I just don't think that it's like yeah, we're not that's like the one out of the whole first year of AEW, I think is, is that's like the only really the only
0: Oh, I think I know who it's gonna be. Who? Big Swole. Oh, I could see that. That could be Yeah, good, because yeah. Big Swole hasn't had her big match yet, right? She hasn't had like an AEW women's championship match. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, would be I, I think if I important. had to get I would say it would be that. Just because she was also feuding with uh, Brett Baker.
1: Yeah, and do you think Sheida would retain though? I feel like Sheida should be champion for a while, right?
0: I agree. Yeah. Until yeah, until somebody comes to knock her off that perch, which could could be Brett Baker.
1: At this point, I feel like that's storyline wise the only person who's been made to feel that way. But that's why I think like you know weaving in some of these like that's that's what the most intriguing thing about Dark Order is. Is it Anna J? Is that her name?
0: Yes, thank something you like so that. Much. Yeah, Yes, uh, Anna J.
1: She can be incorporated into the Dark Order stuff as a tertiary person that's ongoing. Where it's like, well, what's going on with we haven't seen her wrestle a lot, but then she's still at least there and kind of like in the mix. Whereas now the Deadly Draw it's its own YouTube show separate from it dynamite and dark dark we get like one or two exhibition matches between the female performers so it's just like yeah i just think it's a more of a matter of them weaving them into some of the bigger stories like what female performer would make sense to pair up with best friends and orange cassidy and they started to do that with uh chris statlander and that would have been great but yeah i mean i'm excited to see like it's i'm bummed that we're not going to have dynamite this wednesday but simultaneously, yeah. I'm excited that it's going to feel more like a big event because it's on a Saturday, despite the fact that there are also two other events that we want to... Well, one other event we're watching and another event that I personally want to watch. So, yeah, there's a lot Yeah, of... I'm
0: bummed out that like we probably won't be able to watch Dynamite live, unless it gets delayed by the NBA.
1: Yeah, August 22nd is an absolutely stacked night of wrestling. It's Dynamite, Tournament of Survival, Black Label Pro, which has booked Gangrel versus Effie...
0: Uh, I will definitely go back and watch that, even though I'm going to watch Class. just because I think it'll be more of a spectacle, and because we've been watching so many GCW events, it just feels right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I want to see what my tolerance actually is for these things. I think that it will definitely be
1: met in the Tournament of Survival.
0: I gotta be honest, I'm excited for it, and I am ready to eat my words.
1: Dude, one other thing that we were wa- we watched this week, which I am
0: so happy
1: that we did, is WWF... SummerSlam 1998,
0: and that's right. In anticipation of SummerSlam next Saturday,
1: 2020. Twenty. I'll we'll say 2002. Uh yeah. <laughs> the, the art that this came about because Mark sent me the art for SummerSlam 1998, and I feel like most people will maybe not specifically remember. Oh, that year was the year that this art happened, but it's the year that there was like a sort of really cool old school painting. Of Undertaker and Stone Cold, sort of in an apocalypse.
0: And, in the middle of New York, like Godzilla yeah. and Mothra fighting. Like, like escape holding, from New
1: York kind of looking
0: Holding uh like buildings as if they were like hammers.
1: I think one of them's holding the um, torch from the Statue of Liberty. Uh Yes.
0: And one of them is holding like the top of like uh I was gonna say the Trade Center, but maybe I maybe mean, it,
1: 1998 actually could have been. I mean, at that point, it could have been because it would just be like, yeah. oh yeah, it's one of the New York buildings. Uh, yeah. So I think it's possible. Uh, but yeah, it just that that art really really struck me and stuck out to me. And I think maybe could potentially be one of my like favorite WWF pay per view like art concept art like ever. I mean, it a lot.
0: Really sucks how much less good the VHS cover is than. The pay-per-view because look up the vhs cover of that same event they do not keep that unfortunately really yeah
1: oh yeah it's just like a photo of it's a photo of stone cold looking at undertaker so that other thing on the cover is X-Pac doing a face buster to Jeff yes, Jarrett
0: that's what it is it's,
1: what's, which what's, I, I think that's like a notable match from that pay-per-view so you know what's you know, funny that's... about
0: that is that I can't remember the x-factor right that is the worst sell of the x-factor I've ever seen in that match by Jeff Jarrett is that what it was? it's called the x-factor I think so he takes it terribly it's a cool move but I remember at the end being like wow just, like, thinking, like, that that was the terrible sell of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Overall, this pay-per-view was great. It was cool. Just going back, for those of you listening, I know that a few people have messaged me uh, saying that AEW was their gateway back into wrestling, and they haven't watched it in a long time. And actually, someone must have been, I think, said that the first thing they watched was AEW. But uh, if you want a good encapsulation of what the Attitude Era was, with minimal, kind of minimal, like, Offensive, sort of. You know, time has passed this promotion by. True.
0: Yeah. True. Actually. Uh, elements. Yeah.
1: This is one of the ones where it's like that sort of. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's there's like no evening it's gown. Sable, Sable does like res- wrestling moves yeah. in her no match one has with kiss
0: Vince McMahon's ass in this one. Exactly.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of good wrestling throughout this. Uh, like X-Pac and Jeff Jarrett too. Uh, they face off against each other in a hair versus hair match, and within that match, you know X-Pac throws down spinning heel kicks so smoothly yes. and it's my favorite move he does and i don't know why more people don't do that move like so true i can't true. think it of anybody so that does that cool. move i have can you think of anyone in AEW that does that move i i can't think of anyone who does a spinning heel kick like at all right no why is that move not done more i have no is idea. it hard to do i wonder if it must be hard to do it's
0: probably very like requires a lot of um flexibility
1: flexibility and timing like to make sure you actually don't hurt the other person yeah i don't know because it is like your legs probably core strength but yeah that that's uh it's like uh definitely one of my favorite i think my all-time favorite favorite strike uh yeah it's just like throughout it's interesting because i feel like the attitude there gets a lot of like gets a lot of flack for just being kind of like a wild horror show kind of well we did and... get a
0: little bit of that here with kind tie versus the Oddities. That
1: was not... You could skip that match if you go back and watch this. What's so uh, sad about I, it is
0: knowing how good Kai and Tai are as wrestlers individually. Like Taka and Funaki and...
1: And I, then John Tenta, too. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: incredible wrestler. And, you know, you see Taka and John Tenta face off against one another, but... It's all comedy and nonsense. And it's short and fine. Like, it, not fine. Like, it's 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 bad is it really Uh,
0: that only wcw had a good cruiserweights division and wwe no because
1: the wwf had like the light cruiserweight belt or light heavyweight yeah Yeah, taka was the first champion i think maybe yeah but
0: that was a lot later that was early 2000s i don't think it was that much later It was early 2000s really yeah or late i don't think or late 90s whatever i'm saying that wcw is doing it from like
1: I think WCW had a legit. Yeah, I mean, you'd think of all the people that were in that division, like Ultimo Dragon, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis. 123 like,
0: Kid when he was there?
1: Yeah, there's what was he there? quite Six, a few. Right? Dude, yeah, the light heavyweight belt was this exact time period. It was established in 1997.
0: Okay, well, there was no light heavyweight banger on this card.
1: I was going to say, wasn't it part? It was a part of the J Crown, also, I'm pretty sure, which happened in 1996, if I'm
0: not. Mistaken. All right. I, <laughs> I think it's very fair to say that there was... You're wrong, bro. There was several years where WCW was doing crazy high-flying heavyweight matches starting from the early 90s that WWE just wasn't doing.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Kai and Tide didn't deserve... They were booked terribly in this time frame. Because I'm just and thinking they're they're like they could have been those jokes. guys. You know what I mean? Yes. That whole Their whole team could have been split off and broken up in a way where, yeah, they're the basis that the foundation of the cruiserweight division. Yeah, new X-Pac thrown in there with them. bringing
0: in like, you know, early Jeff Hardy when he gets there and stuff. Absolutely.
1: I will say like there are a lot of like the last the second half of this pay-per-view so many great matches, but I think my favorite match from the whole show was the Lions' Dead match between Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock with Dan Severn as Owen Hart's manager. You know, for those of you that are NXT fans, this is that match, the fight pit match between Thatcher and Riddle, complete throwback to this yes. specific
0: match. I had no idea, and I'd seen this before. I yeah. totally forgot about this.
1: I forgot about it too. This was uh, so
0: awesome. Like, Shamrock comes in, he's so ripped up. He is jumping off the cage. Dude, his thighs are huge. Constantly jumping off the cage to hit moves on on Owen Hart. I was pretty scared for Owen Hart at this. I was like, how is Owen Hart going to survive, like, an MMA-style match with Shamrock? And the answer is just by, like, hitting really sweet suplexes and stuff.
1: Yeah, they kind of go back and forth a lot. It definitely feels very much like WWE presents Pancrase, which is cool. Just very, like, a true sort of... I feel like it's more, maybe more professional wrestling than an actual Pancrase match, because Pancrase matches are definitely... Feel way more like an MMA match Definitely, yeah. than this did. You know Shamrock, as you said, is doing really cool like springboards off of the cage. Owen's going for hurricane Ranas Rana is that Shamrock yeah. reverses into a power. Oh, slam. that was Shamrock very, goes very off the sick. cage
0: again towards Owen heart but Owen Hart reverses into a power slam. This could have been a classic match recommendation, actually, if either of us had thought about it. Uh, or no, right? Or and nobody. I don't. And
1: I. Neither of us would have thought about it or thought to recommend it because we both forgot about it. Owen so hurts that we get the sharpshooter at
0: one point and Shamrock's crawling up the cage to reverse oh, it. Oh,
1: yes. That's like almost, that's like towards the end of the match, yeah. right?
0: And then also, uh, Owen has Shamrock in a headlock and Shamrock climbs the cage, does a backflip, and uh, basically wins the match. It would have been.
1: I, yeah, this would have been such a cool series of mat or like a night of matches that only happened in the li- if they had a like lions den pay per view. Well, luckily this was the main event.
0: Luckily, they now have a really, 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 really cool raw underground. <laughs> <laughs> Can You're you right, imagine like how much shittier like raw underground is than this? Like, oh my god, raw underground looks like a like C list movie set. Like, it's, like, a movie that has, like, Triple H in it, basically. Like, it's, like, them <laughs> trying to do a movie, whereas if they just did this and put a cage up and put, like... Dude, it, it just would be so much better. Yeah,
1: What they and it's weird, because recently they did a cool match yeah, like this. Yeah, I don't know what so, the fuck
0: is wrong with them. Uh,
1: Shamrock wins this with a Fujiwara, war, Fujiwara arm bar to an ankle lock. This was just such a great... That's match. Like, it was, match.
0: like, a 10-minute match, but it was just... It was just so perfect. Like I loved it so it's much. It's brief, but very perfect. Yeah. yeah. Rock Triple H for a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. For anyone who's read the magazine, this is number six in my article of the top twenty matches that define the Intercontinental Championship.
1: Do you remember what you said about this match in
0: your article? Uh I said I don't remember what I said about the match, but I do remember I said, why did I throw out all my wrestling VHS when I joined Drama? Get you a man who can do both.
1: That's how you end this, and then you start it. <laughs> you say this match took place at the height of DX versus Nation of Domination, which means witnessing the strange occurrence of a heel rock against a face Triple H. Yes, to These me in my childhood, then really seem to up. despise each other. This match is a vintage brawler attitude era. I mean, that's very much agree with that. Pretty
0: much tr- exactly true. Um, yeah, yeah, this is a great match. Like, um, they they are in like a heap. They are a bloody mess by the end of this match. There's great ladder spots. There's great brawling on the outside near the near the, the Titan Tron.
1: Yeah, I will say, just uh kind of thinking about both sort of the double main event that happened here, there's the ladder match between Rock and Triple H and the heavyweight championship between Stone Cold and Undertaker. That gets the last hour of the pay-per-view. Yes. And it's cool to see that's such a simple setup. We have the last hour of the pay-per-view. There's the Intercontinental and the Heavyweight Championship are on the line. And we're going to put the four top stars in these two matches. And that's it. It feels as simple as New Japan does
0: today. It's it's basically New Japan, but like half as long. Like this is a two yes. and a half hour pay-per-view. And I forgot that pay-per-views used to be this long to the point where they're back to this length. And I'm like, oh yeah. Why did they ever stop making, why did they ever make things that were longer than three hours?
1: Right when we're watching GCW or some of the other uh, indie pay-per-views or even AEW, sometimes thinking about it, it's like, oh, it's only three hours. That seems short for a pay-per-view. Yeah, like that inclination, but like
0: it's just because the WWE ones have, are so
1: bloated. And there are plenty of matches on this on SummerSlam 1998. There's eight matches, and it feels like every match has a lot of time. And yeah, I I loved I loved the main event, and I loved this ladder match too. It. One thing that I absolutely loved about this Ladder match and something that you and I talk a lot about is um interference in matches and it's on everyone's mind now just because of Cody and his title reign and Evil and his title reign right. both use a lot of interference. And here we have interference from Mark Henry and China, but it's just peppered in towards the like the very end of the match. Oh,
0: that's right. Uh Mark Henry throws the powder in Triple H's face. But he's yeah. but he still wins. He still wins matches because China
1: because China low blows
0: Rocky off the the ladder. Rock,
1: yeah, and then Triple H Triple H wins, right?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a way to do interference. It's not to do it all the time. I think that's the problem with with evil. Like I said, like our only problem with evil is he hasn't won a single match like definitively. He just
1: hasn't shown away. that he can wrestle to the caliber that the IWGP belt.
0: Yeah, which I know technically makes him more detestable, but also makes him less. Scary, like he's not scary. He's just like well guarded by the Bullet Club.
1: You know, it's one thing too that I kind of don't. I guess like with interference, ref interference, and those kinds of things, we're watching a live broadcast that's being recorded. Like why, like for the suspension of disbelief? Why can you win that way?
0: Right. Um. Yeah. It's like because it's it's based
1: on the ref's decision in the match, right? But like. In, in like a football game, if there's a play, we check. You go back and check the tape. It's like, oh, the ref was wrong. Actually, this is the call. Then we revise the call. You know.
0: I think because if if we didn't do this, we would ruin wrestling completely. If you did what I just said, <laughs> <laughs> if
1: um, Okada's like, I'm not oh, trying to oh, get all like go back everything. Tapes. I'm not trying to get all like everything has to make sense and be rooted in reality. Or well, anything no, like that, especially
0: but... when you said, I can't, I can't, I'll never forget what you said. You're like, oh, like. He was the first uh, person who was smart enough to prepare for the Bullet Club interfering. I'm like, how could you be so dumb as to not do that? They've literally interfered on every single match.
1: I will say with the interference on this, the uh, Triple H Rock match, if they could interfere the whole time with the ref watching, why didn't they just interfere to begin with?
0: I don't have an answer. We could call up Vince Russo.
1: (laughs) So the main event of this is Stone Cold versus Undertaker. And it was great at that. This it felt it lived up to the expectations I had for the pay-per-view art. Uh, Yeah. Totally. Two titans, two titans clashing. So sick. And dude, no wonder why Undertaker is. If you go back to watch this match, no wonder why Undertaker is in the shape he is in now. That leg drop that he does like mid match. Taker goes up to the top rope. Austin is on the announce table. Leg drops from the top rope through the announce table.
0: He gets wild air in this match.
1: It's almost that spot is like kind of reminiscent of like when Samoa Joe
0: jumps in the crowd oh, onto the ladder. I don't think so. And misses? I don't think no? so. All right. Undertaker misses. <laughs> <laughs> no, just because, you know, jump like doing a leg drop onto a table is not. Onto like- concrete is worse. I know, but no, Undertaker no. misses
1: the table. Does he? Yeah. He jumps over the table. He doesn't go through it. He like hits the edge oh, and just thinking man. about the different people who have been like fucked up by no, different things. Like I guess what I was just going to say is, is like, the yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I guess what I was just going to say is like, um, at least undertaker was doing something that made sense. Like, Oh, I'm going to do a leg drop through a table. Samoa Joe was just like, Oh, I'm just going to jump up and drop kick this guy and like land with my back on the step. Like land wherever I land. Yeah, yeah that was true. Oh, man, it was I more see. reckless for sure. And the camera doesn't even barely pick it up. Like it is s- one of
1: the most reckless spots in wrestling probably. Oh yeah, Stone Cold wins this match, huge stunner at the end, and Taker gives him the belt, gives him a nod, walks away. It feels that was cool. Yeah, like that March is when Stone Cold wins the title from HBK. So you know this is like the summer of Stone Cold. That's so crazy
0: to think about that. This is like basically where John Moxley was at this year, first winning the AW title.
1: Yeah, like at that point, like March nineteen ninety eight, he went, he won the pay per view, or he won the title at WrestleMania. And then drops the belt to Kane in the first blood match at King of the Ring. Of course, he's, and then wins it back the next night.
0: And he's, but he's also already won two Royal Rumbles because he run the he won then he won the '96 and the '98. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. And he's put on classic match after classic match at this point. Like it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Ripping it up. Uh, I really very much enjoyed this pay per view. For yeah. those of you wanting an attitude era nostalgia trip, absolutely go back and watch it.
0: I think it's a really cool perspective though to look at, you know, what a lot of people consider wrestling at its best uh or the best era and watch Dynamite and AEW's papers at the same time and compare them. I think it's very interesting.
1: Speaking of WWE nostalgia, this week for the classic match segment, I was assigned to watch CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 1998.
0: For today's classic match, I was
1: I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, I was going to talk about this at the end, but it definitely felt the most like an assignment to me. Right. Like, it didn't feel like, great, I get to sit down, brew a cup of coffee before I get to work today. I'm going to watch Samoa Joe versus Kobashi. Right. It felt like I have to sit down and watch this match where I don't like either performer and don't like the commentators. Which is funny because and I
0: was so excited to for you to watch it. I was like, I cannot. It was one of my first in a while where I was like, I can't wait for John to see this so we can I can hear what he thinks.
1: So we so the match starts, the arena is packed, and the Beast Incarnate's music hits. The crowd roars as the announcer states that this is a no-disqualification match. Brock Lesnar is flanked by Paul Heyman, and inexplicably wearing a beanie with no shirt on.
0: Brock... <laughs> I think I can keep doing this if you do <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Brock's pyro goes off as JBL runs down Brock's resume in the octagon, and Brock enters the ring. Static hits, and Cult of Personality begins to boom through the speakers. CM Punk yells its clobber in time as he confidently makes his way to the squared circle. The bell rings and Brock blasts out of the corner and begins to dominate the first half of this match as the crowd chants CM Punk in unison. Punk keeps trying to find his footing, but Brock is too strong. CM Punk is worn down in the corner as Lesnar screams in his face. Punk throws a kick and then a high knee as Punk begins to gain the upper hand. Michael Cole does an excellent job here selling the comeback for Punk as the crowd continues their CM Punk chants. Punk dominates on the outside with his speed and agility until becoming distracted by Paul Heyman. Brock then begins to ragdoll CM Punk on the outside (laughs) and throws him around like he's a bag of trash that the Beast Incarnate is exuberantly taking out. They wrestle back into the ring and Brock Lesnar wrenches a bear hug as Punk begs for mercy. Brock continues to dominate this match with no opening for CM Punk in sight. CM Punk begins to to gain the upper hand as he hits a flying elbow. Punk signals for the go to sleep and almost gets Lesnar up. The two grapple back and forth with Punk evading and ultimately taking Brock to his knees. Punk gets Brock up, but the Lesnar counters with a Kimura lock that is wrenched so hard it looks like CM Punk's going to explode and crumble into a million particles. (laughs) Lesnar's submission holds are so intense that they feel like they could bend the fabric of our reality. CM Punk escapes and wrenches in a triangle for quite a long time. Lesnar is screaming in agony, but lifts Punk up into a powerbomb. Punk keeps the triangle applied until Brock finds his way out. Lesnar is on the offense again as the crowd booms CM Punk. The Beast Incarnate hits his three amigos as the crowd chants Eddie. This is the first time the crowd has responded positively to Brock in this match as he honors a legend of Latino Heat. The King says that Brock looks fresh and ready to start anew, but that could not be further from the truth. Brock looks worn down as he saunters over to the announce table and grabs a chair. CM Punk is atop the turnbuckle, jumps to the outside, but Brock throws the chair at Punk, and the two crash to the ground as Punk gleefully grips his knee. These two men look like they are having the time of their lives. Heyman gets up on the apron as Brock has Punk in an F5. Punk grabs onto Heyman's tie, which allows Punk to escape the beast's finisher. This provides Punk an opening, and he hits Brock with a go to sleep for what would have been a three count. The crowd jeers as Heyman crashes in and saves the match for Brock. Heyman immediately begins to beg Punk for mercy as he chases him around the ring. Brock catches Punk with an F5, but Punk counters with the Tornado DDT. The pair trade submission holds, and Heyman once again gets involved, hits Punk, and saves Brock from tapping to the Anaconda Vice. CM Punk hits Paul Heyman in the face and wrenches the same submission he makes Paul tap and yelp like a dying animal. The distraction leads to the end of the match, as it provides Brock the opening to hit an F5 on a steel chair. The crowd is absolutely stunned, Silence washes over the crowd as Brock drags Punk's lifeless body to the center of the ring for the three count. There's one thing that is for sure within this match, and it's that Brock Lesnar would not have won without the help of Paul Heyman. This is a wild match, you know, it's just, and I started this by saying I'm watching this thing that feels like an assignment where I don't care about either people, and I, I still don't care about either performer or anyone else involved, but as the match went on, the match won me over. Yeah. I Watching it in the beginning, I was like, this is CM Punk, it's someone I never was a fan of for no reason, just because I wasn't watching wrestling when he was popular. Didn't care, and now he doesn't care about wrestling and makes has made me dislike him as a person, as a wrestler, yeah. a person as a person and as a wrestler. So it's like, why do I want to go back and enjoy this thing that this guy doesn't even like anymore? Who cares? But then you see, like it's like masterfully crafted G1 style evasions at the end where they go back and forth, yes. like but like try to get an F5. He gets out of the F5, throws a high knee, tries to put up for the go to sleep. But then Brock reverses that into like a submission hold. There's really great, just athletic wrestling in this. And it's cool to see Brock in like a 25 minute match. I
0: also. I love to see Brock when he is engaged. It's the best. Cause he can really go. Uh, I love what you were saying about how Brock is worn out. Cause that is the story of most Brock matches. It's like survive long enough to get him tired. Basically, yes, and then
1: yeah, and that's why he's good against scrappy people because scrappy people evade him. Yeah, and Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor,
0: like Daniel Bryan, like there was a point where it really looked like he was gonna tap out to Daniel, one of Daniel Bryan's. um, Same
1: thing with AJ too. Yeah, yeah. AJ had the calf
0: crusher in. Yes, absolutely, and that's like (laughs) crazy. I I think they should have pulled the trigger with Bryan. I think that would have brought Bryan to like a like a stratospheric thing without really compromising Brock that much. But back to this match, isn't it crazy to see? Brock only win because of interference. I can't believe that. Yeah. Like, Cause modern Punk Brock clearly won twice. Brock. Like this is after he, no, this is just before he defeats the streak.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was seven years ago at this point though. So it makes sense. I mean, I agree with you that you're saying it's modern Brock, but it also, is okay. That's a good point, point. Almost a decade ago. That's a...
0: okay. That is a very good point. Uh, but it still and... feels like modern Brock in the sense that he, he has that physique. He is a killer. He is a final boss. Like it does feel like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and
1: Punk, Punk would have won twice without Paul Heyman. Like, that's that that to me was the incredible part of this match, totally, is that CM Punk won the match visibly twice with no cheating, nothing. He just out-wrestled Brock yeah. twice.
0: I don't know, and... man. Like, I th- like, yeah, I... This... Okay. I really... I should have uh, probably recommended to you Money in the Bank 2011. Uh, John, what is that? John Cena versus CM Punk. Oh. This is like... Dave Meltzer's only five star WWE match do me a favor so I don't have to recommend it to you and you don't have to do a book report on it watch the CM Punk John Cena money in the bank match and if you're just you know I'm I'm sure you'll like it but I will never recommend you another CM Punk thing
1: are you ready for your classic match recommendation John
0: couldn't be more ready
1: So, thinking of the time of year and month and what we're watching this coming week, which is Tournament of Survival, I think it's high time, and maybe you have watched this match before, but I think you have not. Have you watched any of the King of the Death Match matches? I don't even know what it is. So, my trip to Japan was built around the fact that as a very young kid, I watched the IWA King of the Death Match tournament that took place in 1995. Right, I remember. At reading Kawasaki that. Stadium in Japan, you are going to watch the finals, nice. which is a classic death match between Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Oh,
0: amazing!
1: And this this match took place on August 20th, so you know, timing wise, it happened this coming week. I'm actually working on for Act Issue Five. I'm working on like a featured piece about the entire tournament. I've already drawn kind of all of the performers in it. And I'm now sort of writing a piece about it. So I think it'll be a good it'll it'll be a good companion thing to watch to Tournament of Survival uh this coming week. And yeah, we have a we have a bunch of stuff that we're gonna talk about in the next podcast. Uh GCW's Tournament of Survival, Special Dynamite on Saturday night, and Summerslam.
0: We're gonna be watching so, SummerSlam twenty twenty. Um what
1: I was going to say was I am so psyched for Tournament of Survival, uh, and can't wait to see, you know. The matches that 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 brings, it's going to be wild. Yes, I can't wait to
0: figure out exactly what my limit of this Deathmatch stuff that I enjoy is. Can you uh, Uh, just tell people what shirt you're wearing right now?
1: So, call back to episode 10. I'm wearing a long-sleeve NWO Wolfpack shirt.
0: Okay, I listened to this episode 10 like a hundred times over and over again, like this one part. And I was like, John says wolf the weirdest fucking way I've ever heard in my life. What? What? What do you mean? Say it. Wolf, isn't it Wolf? Wolfpack. You can't say Wolf. This is like Benedict wolf. Cumberbatch can't say penguin. Wolfpack. I didn't notice it when we were recording, and I was listening. I was like, John can't say the word fucking Wolf. That's so weird. It's been
1: pointed out to me before, but that's how I—that's how I've always pronounced it. So. You say Wolf like a dog. Wolfpack. There's a woof on my shirt with the red NWO logo. <laughs> <on it. laughs>
0: this has been another episode of the Torture Rack podcast. You can follow my co-host John F. Malta at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Patreon, on our website, and join the Torture Rack Wolfpack. Pack.